Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So in chapter 18 of Luke's Gospel, Jesus prefaces his coming to Jerusalem by telling his disciples exactly what's about to happen to him. He says, and taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. But they did not understand none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. So before we get into the triumphal entry that we see here in Luke 19, we see it reiterated that the disciples do not understand, that it says that it was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said by what he meant. But Jesus warns them, right? He tells them everything has been building up to these moments. I am going to be delivered over to the Gentiles, to the Romans. I'm going to be mocked, spit on, shamefully treated, flogged, and killed, but I will rise again. And they do not understand. These things are hidden from them. And we have to not think too harshly of them, brothers and sisters, because it would be unthinkable to them, right? Because they have seen examples of his power. They have seen examples of his glory. They've seen how he's ministered to people. They've seen the, the power and the authority that he has over evil spirits, over disease, over the elements, over death itself. And for him to say, I'm going up to die, does not compute, right? It's make their blow their minds, right? They don't, they, they don't understand because he's the promised Messiah. But he prepares them. He warns them, this is what's happening. And, and for us, brothers and sisters, today is the first Sunday of Holy Week, right? The week where we commemorate and we walk through with our Lord through his passion leading into his glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday. So I would invite you to take that journey with all of us here this week for our Thursday night Tenebrae service and our Good Friday service and our Sunday morning sunrise service followed by our Sunday morning Easter service. So in the story, they draw near to a village outside of Jerusalem and he sends two disciples into the village to grab a colt. But the instructions seem a little weird, right? He says, he basically tells the disciples, all right, what I want you to do, I want you to go into this village and I want you, you're going to find a colt there. But I want you to just walk up to it, just untie it and go. And if anybody stops you, just say, the Lord needs it. It'll be okay. And they'll let you take it. I don't know about you, but if that were me, I'd be like, oh, are you sure? I would feel really weird about doing that. Some people are like, no, I, I, I'll do it right now and, and run and do it. I would be like, uh, that's a little weird. It's a little weird, Jesus. I don't, can you send like maybe Peter to go do it? I'm not, I'm not sure if I could handle something like that. It's, it's, it's a little weird. It'd be like, it's like me looking by the side of the road or in a parking lot and just seeing a car with the keys in the ignition. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I really like that car. Getting into the car, closing the door, starting it up, rolling down the window. And just as I'm about to speed off, someone says, hey, what are you doing with that car, thief? I'm like, Jesus needs it. Right? That's kind of, that's kind of weird. It's kind of what's going on here. And then and speeding away. But incredibly, the owners are like, yeah, okay, that's fine. 
cool, take it. It's all yours. The Lord needs it. And the owners say, okay. Provision for Jesus had already been made and was available through the willingness of that owner to give his beast of burden in service to the Lord. We'll talk more about this in a few minutes. Right away, we see something interesting here in Luke's account as they enter the city. Jesus is announced as the coming and expected king. But Luke omits some of the details that the Gospel of Matthew highlights. And that's, that's why I love the Gospels, because we get a rich and a nuanced view of the life and of the ministry of Jesus. And in Luke's version, he notes that the disciples uh, laying down their cloaks on the colt for Jesus to sit on as he rides into Jerusalem and also laying them on the road. But we don't see anybody waving the palms in Luke's version. And the focus of the story here in this account is pretty much on the disciples, right? In the other, other accounts, it's, it's the people coming out of the city. But in this example, the focus is more on the disciples. They are the ones praising God. They are the ones rejoicing for everything that they had seen and heard while following Jesus. Luke also omits the, the, the promises of David, right, that Matthew does. This is the Messiah coming uh, to sit on the throne of David forever. It says here that a multitude of disciples followed him into. We, we need to keep this in mind that Jesus had more than just the 12. We kind of have this idea that there were the 12 disciples, who he, they became the 12 apostles, and, and that was it. But no, he also had 70. It said that he had 70 along with the 12. And then on top of the 70, who he also sent out on mission with his disciples, there were also large groups of people that followed him. And it says in Luke's gospel that they followed him and they, they provided for him and his disciples. So we can pretty much say with certainty that there's quite a group of people that are coming in with him, entering the city rejoicing for all of the mighty works that they had seen. Now think about what they had seen and what they're going to be seeing by the end of the week. If they stick around until Sunday, they'll see the greatest work that Jesus will ever accomplish. But for the moment, think of it again. The deliverances, the evil spirits driven away, the food multiplied to feed crowds of people, the dead being raised, people with debilitating illnesses cured, sinners forgiven, storms rebuked. And all of this joy, all of this rejoicing that they're doing is going to come crashing down over their heads and it's going to turn into sadness like nothing they have ever experienced before. But it is in this deepest level of sadness that they will experience the greatest joy that they have ever known because the coming cross is not the end of the story for Jesus. And when the storms of life come over us, brothers and sisters, when everything comes crashing down over our heads, we have that sure hope. We have that sure foundation in our Lord Jesus Christ. When all of our sadness is leached away, when all of our gladness and all of our happiness turns to despair, we have that sure, we have that solid anchor in Jesus Christ. The Pharisees get annoyed like cranky folk, and they tell Jesus to shut up, basically, right? Tell them to shut up. And Jesus says... No, because if I shut them up, then the very stones themselves would start rejoicing. There's a commentary that says this, High wrought emotion is a poor substitute for steady conviction, but cool, unemotional recognition of Christ as king is as unnatural. 
And this is the, the part that, I, that really stuck with me. If our hearts do not glow with loyal love, nor leap up to welcome him, if the contemplation of his work and its issues on earth and in heaven does not make our dumb tongues sing, we have need to ask ourselves if we believe at all that he is the king and the savior of all and of us. And Jesus entering in the city is a source of both happiness and coming sadness, which will then give way to unspeakable, glorious joy. The king is coming in. How will you welcome him in? So earlier I mentioned that there are a few things about the Lord having need of. So in the story that, that we read here, this doesn't just happen with the cult. It happens a little bit later on in another chapter where they need to find the room for Passover. Jesus says something similar. Go to this place, tell this guy, hey, the Lord needs your room for Passover to celebrate it with his disciples, just like with the donkey, right? So he goes and he does it. Same thing happens. And they're like, yeah, sure, you can use this room. And that's kind of, that's kind of up where they go. The Lord has need. And so, brothers and sisters, there are things that the Lord has need of from us. Now, you might be thinking, what in the world could the Lord need that I have? He's, well, the Lord, right? And as the Lord, he has everything he needs. But when we look here in the story, the Lord needed something, and it was provided to him. And St. Paul, and through all of his letters, hammers home the fact that the church is the body of Christ, that we all together mystically make up his body on earth. And as such, the church is where we meet for worship and mission. So building on this theme for a few minutes, as the collected, as the gathered body of Christ, I'm going to talk about the three things that the Lord has need from all of us. And this is true for all of us. This is true for me. This is true for you. This is true for our visitors. This is true for guests and family. This is true for everyone. The first thing that the Lord has need of is our abilities. The Lord needs your abilities. And you might be thinking, why would the Lord need my abilities? Well, here's the thing. The Lord has gifted you with something that only you can do and only you can provide. Right? So for some of you, that might be the gift of hospitality. Some of you may have that gift, the being hospitable, providing cooking food and giving it to others, inviting people into your home and into your lives, that is a gift given to you by God. And the place where the abilities that God has given you, the best place where that gets put to use is here at the church. It is put to its best and fullest use here, right? Which then means, brothers and sisters, that the Lord has need of your abilities here because it is here as we gather for worship that our abilities are we learn what they are, and then we get opportunity to put those abilities into good use. The second thing that the Lord asks from all of us, that the Lord needs from all of us, is our time. Is our time. This is time spent in prayer and in worship, and that's just as true for us gathered as a church here today as it is for individually in our homes. And that doesn't mean that God needs your time in worship and prayer because, you know, it, it meets his emotional needs, right? Like God is somehow emotionally stunted. And if you don't give him the time and worship that he needs, then 
he's going to get angry. No, that's not what I'm talking about here. God needs your worship, in air quotes, because he knows it is in worship and in prayer that you are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So I could probably say that God needs your time in prayer and worship because he knows you need to offer it to him. Because it is when we gather here in the church, brothers and sisters, it is when you go into your room and close the door and get on your knees before him. It is in those moments. It is when we come before the Lord's table like we're about to, when we partake of the sacraments, where we are transformed from glory to glory, where the risen Christ energizes us and sustains us as our time as our time is spent in worship and then the third and final thing that the lord has need of is our support right just like we saw with the donkey and later on in the story with the room the lord needs our support right now this can be a little uncomfortable for us because support primarily comes from finances and that makes people uncomfortable but for those who believe in the work of the kingdom of God and want to support the work that the church does for the kingdom of God and if you're a member here I'm speaking of our church if you're just visiting with us then this is speaking for you in your own church right but brothers and sisters what the Lord asks of us what the Lord needs from us is our support so it's time to commit to support the church by coming here for that time, like I talked about for worship, for learning what our abilities are and exercising those abilities for the good of one another, and by being generous with what we have. And being generous with what we have. And that can make us uncomfortable sometimes to hear that. But you know what? That's okay. Sometimes we need to hear that. Sometimes we need it to be stretched a little bit. Sometimes we need reminders of why we're actually here, what it is that we're doing. Because brothers and sisters, if our Christianity, and this is just as true for me as anybody else, if our Christianity is cultural, if it's just something that we put on every once in a while, if it's just something that we do occasionally, if it's something that we just dip our toes into occasionally, then brothers and sisters, I say to you that that, that is not Christianity. If the church is just an obligation, if it has no bearing on who you are, how you act, how you live your life, then maybe your Christianity is cultural rather than something that you own and believe. And so what I say to you, brothers and sisters, today is that if your Christianity is cultural, I call on you to repent and to believe the good news that Christ loved you, that Christ died for you, that Christ was raised for you, so you could be reconciled with the God who created you and the God who loves you. Receive the Lord today the way the disciples did with joy, and let him enter the heart that he's been knocking on for all of your life. And for those of us who are in Christ, whose Christianity isn't cultural, if it isn't something that we just put on every once in a while, I say that pray about how the Lord wants you to use your abilities for the good of the brother and sister sitting next to you in the pew. Pray how the Lord helps you, leads you, guides you into becoming more involved with worship at your home and also gathered here together. And also pray, consider how the Lord is leading you to support the church that you were a member of, not only with your presence and your time and your abilities, but with also with what he's given you. 
And so in light of all of those challenges, let us keep our Lord Jesus Christ in mind today as he enters Jerusalem to die for our justification, for our salvation, for our reconciliation to the God who loved us and created us for himself. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I ask that you take a few minutes and help us if you could. We've recently begun fundraising efforts for some repairs that our building really, really needs. If you could, go to our Facebook page, Zion Stone United Church of Christ, or our website, zionstoneucc.com. You'll see a link to a fundraising page we've set up at GoFundMe, which I'll include in the description of this episode and all episodes moving forward. GoFundMe.com slash SaveZionStoneUCC. If you could help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, please keep us in prayer as we go through this fundraising process. You can also, please, if you have some time, rate us on iTunes. And you can also find this podcast on Spotify as well. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless you.